0: So what do we just do? Good answer. And I want to talk about that for a while, and we could actually talk about this for a very, very long time. I've set apart about six weeks, but if I'm not satisfied, I'll go for 22 This is my title. Worship is a verb. I stole it like I often steal titles from a book. This is the book. Notice the title. Worship is a verb. See how sneaky I am? Boy, deep. Anyway, it was worth coming just for that, right? What's wrong with this picture is really the title of today's sermon, and I wanted to kind of press into this just a bit. I have a series of pictures I want to show you, and I've got this um, white whiteboard up over here because I'm going to write down your answers. Then we're going to post them on the Internet. <laughs> no, 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 we're not. We're not. But I, I want to, by the way, nobody can get anything wrong on this. Pardon me while I get my stuff together. But the reason I'm going to do that is because most of our answers will have some truth and maybe some error. Depending on the context. And so we want to think about what's wrong with this picture. And so I'm working up to something here. What's wrong with this picture? What's wrong with this picture? Besides the fact that it's grainy and you don't like it. It's an antique. It's been around forever. Anybody recognize it? I yeah, I stand at the door and knock. Right? That's Jesus standing at the door and knocking. What does it usually challenge us to? Open the door. Of what? Our hearts. See what's wrong with this picture? What's it based on? Anybody know? Bible verse. verse, Which one? (laughs) Tell that A student he can't answer any more questions (laughs) because we're not letting anybody else answer. You're right. Revelation, right? Third chapter. I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I will come in and sup with him that is i'll have fellowship with him yes it can be applied to the individual heart but who was that verse written to thank you so, don't be timid i heard that the church that's us he's standing outside the church isn't that a fascinating picture I would love to say that's never happened on my watch, but it most assuredly has. Jesus is knocking on the door of the church. Can I please come into what you're saying is my house? And he's still knocking. knocking. That's right. So that's what's wrong with that picture, right? We use it wrongly. It's not the picture, although the artwork, that's another subject. Frankly, I don't think he had that kind of haircut. And I was there. (laughs) Second, What's wrong with this picture? Ooh, I'm going to test your trivia knowledge today a little bit. Who is it? right. First, you don't like his collar, right? No, you got to get over that. You know, some Baptists in England wear a white collar. I'm going to start doing that. I just feel, I feel led. And uh, what's wrong with this picture? I mean, there was something wrong. Who does he represent? Not the devil. <laughs> Those of you who are too young to know, this guy led a bunch of cultists to go commit suicide in a foreign land. Anybody remember? That was a big, huge deal. Jim Jones. Here's what was wrong with that picture. It was The church's title was the People's Temple. Right? It was the People's Temple. And in that church, during worship services, they would even discipline... Can I pick on uh, Adrian Bennett? He's standing up, worshiping. He's during worship service. Stand up, stand up, really. Worship. And during a worship, during a, yeah, get up and worship. And he's not raising his hands high enough. They'd come up and switch him. Can you imagine? Yeah, you can sit down now. No, stand up. No, sit down. No. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm getting at. Is that ordering? And and so what happened was a church that was supposedly based on scripture, people allowed themselves to be spiritually and even physically abused in the name of religion. Now, a Bible-saturated Christian would never fall for that. They wouldn't. Or would they? Or could they? Pay no attention to the man behind the doorway. (laughs) What about this picture? Look, you can't even get your eyes off Tim Strait. He's so handsome. What, What about this? All right. Can I ask what you're doing? Oh my goodness. Ooh. That's pretty grubby. It is. Yeah, but you know what? This probably isn't the best time. Alright. You wanna try it again? Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. Why 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 don't you come on in and and uh, join us? I'm 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 giving you lots of compliments in here and you're missing out. Alright. And I just had some very unpleasant stuff drip on me, as a matter of fact. What was that? That wasn't holy water that just dripped on me, friends. I hate to fill you in. What was wrong with that picture? This was a setup, okay? Good old Tim. Good old Tim was a little concerned with the... uh, With all the uh, buildup on the side of our building here, and decided that's probably not very attractive, so he took it on himself to do something about it. And by the way, our, uh, our team had it in the works to do it, so nobody's in trouble. Don't anybody get on Glenn's case, so you have to answer to me. But what's wrong with that picture? What was wrong with that picture? Oh! You people are too smart. You're not giving me anything else. Timing. Is there anything else wrong with that? Hmm. Oh. oh. Who said that? Oh. Uh-oh, you think Tim had the wrong motives? Oh, you judgmental Christian, you. <laughs> motives. So far, you're doing exactly what I want you to do. Look, Tim, he came in to worship with us. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Listen, my car, by the way, when I'm done here, I would really... What else? Oh, okay, so that would have something to do with this, right? Very good. Keep going. There's no wrong answers, really. Motive would be self... Okay, there's no wrong answers. Okay, waste of moolah. And as we know... (laughs) You know what Voltaire said, don't you? When it comes to money, all men are the same religion, right? You know that one? Okay. Motives. Uh, Somebody said self-serving, right? What else? Same thing. Selfish. I'm sorry, you have to say that again. I couldn't hear it. We were distractible. Church off task? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah we'll use it. We're going to use it. Oh, but you're, you're meddling, Pastor John. That's right, I am. Church uh, off task. So we were distracted. We missed it. What's that? Look, when you make everybody laugh, then I can't hear what you're saying. Stop making people laugh. I never do that. We were gossiping? Oh, Oh, you guys are doing great. Not gossiping, but you're doing great. Uh, Yeah. So judging, right? Gossiping, judging. All right. You, you hey, you're the ones giving me these answers. I'm not making them up. That's what I did, didn't I? I'm so bad- I said he was handsome <laughs> 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 just telling the truth brothers uh what was it what was judging that was it judging what's nah is that, I'm not going to write that down. What are we going to do? For, yes, sir. Focusing on the wrong things. Focus on the wrong thing. So this that would be connected to this, right? Focus. Don't worry if you can't read these in the back. We're going to replay these as we go along. Focused on wrong thing. Oh boy, I can't wait to answer all these. Well that's image, outward, right? Same thing. Somebody else said something. Stumbling block to us. <gasps> Tim. Okay. So without judging and being totally full of love and the Holy Spirit, we're gonna say he was a stumbling block to us because he made us get distracted, right? Wait a go Tim. Way Wait <laughs> a distraction. Here we go. Stumbling block. All right. There's one more, at least, I can think of. No, no, we're not going to do an encore. Huh? Uh, no, I think that would, yeah, we can throw that in. That goes with him being a distraction, a stumbling block, bad example. That would go in there. This is a little bit stretched, but I'll tell you a story that will help you catch what it, where I'm going with it. So I first church I ever worked at was in Tucson, Arizona. Worked alongside a brother who was a very good teaching pastor. And when he was hired uh, in Tucson, back in the old days, and by the way, in my lifetime, it's the old days, not every home had air conditioning, like mine. And our church didn't have air conditioning. Okay, we had what was called a swamp cooler which works really well certain times of the year, but I digress. The point was, when the people interviewed the board of this church on the south side of Tucson, a little Baptist church, actually part of our same denomination, when they interviewed this brother and said, we want you to come and be our teaching pastor, part of his job assignment was to change the pads in the cooler up on the roof. And they had an immediate crisis because he said, I'm not going to do it. Is it because he's too high and mighty? He's above that? No, it was because he said, you're asking me to do what you should be doing. What are we called to do? We're to work according to our giftings. So really, we had Tim doing something he shouldn't have been doing, although he's certainly willing, and so am I, and I'll put my grubbies on later, and we'll finish the job. Okay, so you know what I'm saying. A little bit of disfocus, disfocus, if you will, that had to be corrected. Let's go back to my other questions. So thank you for those wonderful answers. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to unpack where those answers are right and wrong. Because they can be both, depending, most of them, right? They can be both. It's very quiet in here all of a sudden, huh? You all stop laughing. Which is, thank you very much, in case you didn't know. Yeah, that's right. It is a positive example, right? And we are, at times, to lead by example. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. Should have been done, but it didn't happen, and so he does it, and makes a manifest illustration. What's wrong with this picture? Anybody know what that is? That's right. One of them is wrongly colored. It's terrible. It doesn't match. Thank you for that, sis. That was great. Does anybody know what this is? Istanbul. Hagia Sophia. Hagia Sophia. See, I'm also testing how well you've been listening to my preaching over the last three years because I've used all these. Hagia Sophia in Istanbul. Originally a church. Now what is it? So what, it's a mosque. So what it was designed to be used for, the preaching of the gospel, guess what? That's what's wrong with the picture. It's not anymore. Just like this building may not be one day. Just like the church I have already pastored in other places. The one that I did pastor in Tucson that I was just telling you about is no longer that church. That's what's wrong with that picture. Okay? Or it might be something right. I actually thought instead of using that that, uh, picture of Hagia Sophia, I actually thought of using the Kremlin, which I've had the privilege of being in. Beautiful, Russian Orthodox churches, fabulous buildings. And what is it now? A state museum. A state museum in a nation that did not allow anybody to bend the knee in prayer, if they could help it, which of course those days have changed. Anybody know which this one is? I know that uh, Jay does. That's it. Birmingham, Alabama, 16th Street Baptist. What could possibly be wrong with that? African-American congregation. Nothing. They're worshipers. It's where the civil rights movement largely began with brothers meeting in this place or connected to this place. It's also a place where the hatred of those who profess to be followers of Jesus committed murder by bombing and killing little children who were going to Sunday school. What's wrong with that picture? Boy, you've got to be so careful when you say, and you know, we, used to, we have these um, wristbands that say, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I've been thinking about it during the campaign lately. What would Jesus do? All the question, would if Jesus packed a gun, what kind would it be? if um if Jesus rode, drove a car, what car would it be? <laughs> would, he buy, would he buy the greener car or the less green car?. <laughs> He said, "What car would he buy?" And he goes, "It would run on faith." That was good. All right, you get what I'm getting at. We're, We're so one of the jobs that a preacher has when breaking the word of God is to try to discover what is God actually trying to say, and it's daunting and humbling. And i got to tell you, as I started to dig into this whole process of looking at the subject of worship, reminding myself of things that I've done, I've got a stack of books that I had to go through in the past, I'm refreshing myself, thinking about it, but here's the deal. It's like sometimes I wonder if I'm getting anything right. And if you don't feel that way once in a while, I would just challenge you that probably your discipleship is stalled. Because if we're growing, somewhere along the line, we get brought up short and go, whoa, I think I've missed that. I think I made an assumption about this or about that. I'm not judging any particular thing. In fact, one of the beauties of the, of the gospel, the beautiful things of the gospel, is he gives us freedom in the spirit. And he will welcome people as his children from all kinds of backgrounds. People who would never even think about, for example, being green. They don't think about that. It's not on their radar. But Jesus welcomes them. But that doesn't let me off if God's calling me to be more responsible. See, that's the issue of discipleship. I've got to give him room to work and speak to my life. So that brings me to the issue of worship. Another two pictures. I know we've had a lot of visuals today, right? And I'm actually going to quit preaching because I'm tired already. I want to go home and take a nap. Uh, I'm kidding. I was thinking about what visual do I want to use for this series? And so you look up worship on the internet, and you'll get a lot of things like this. And I thought that's pretty good. And I think that one's a very good one for a Baptist church. I think a Baptist church needs that one. See how quiet it just got? Everybody's really nervous. You know? No, no. Here's why. You've heard my joke, right? I've told you my joke before. What, may, what, what makes, what makes Baptists happy? Having a business meeting. We're voting. What makes Baptists nervous? Because 40 years ago, there were major wars between charismatics and conservatives. And really, we should be able to move past that and embrace anything that the scripture tells me is biblical. And enjoy it. So really, in a sense, there's nothing wrong with this picture. But here's where I struggled. What is worship about? What is worship really about? Thank you. It's really not what. It's who. Who is it really about? Is it really about me and whether I'm having a great time? And by the way, that does count. It's valid. But it really is more about God. So I thought we would take an upward look instead of a downward look, and I chose this picture instead. Now, I could say, what's wrong with this picture? And you could give me a bunch of reasons. First of all, it's on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Who did that graffiti is what I want to know. Yeah, it was Michelangelo, right? Fantastic, iconic picture of God pouring life into humanity. Isn't it awesome? It really is. However, God doesn't look like that. I know I was there. Now, (laughs) one of the things I love to say, you know, when I'm talking with someone, they're wondering what God's doing in their life. I say, well, you know what? I think he does have something up his sleeve, but this just proves I'm wrong because he doesn't wear sleeves. (laughs) And we know that God doesn't look like a man. He's not a man, right? We know that he's not human. So something about any kind of image or picture of Jesus or the cross or that, all of those things can take us down a wrong path, but they can also be used to inspire us. So it's not wrong in itself. So in my opinion, in this picture, there's less wrong. So I decided to use it. And there's more of God in the picture than there is of man which is the way it ought to be, more of God in the picture than there is of us. And we can enjoy it, and we can raise our hands, and I'm all over that, because I I do believe in some freedom in worship, and uh, as long as I'm really free. And that's another question we're going to try to dissect as we move along. So I think I'm done with my pictures. Aren't you glad? And I filled up my uh, board with great comments from all of you. Thank you for cooperating with me. The reality is, as I was reading from uh, a, a professor and now the, became the president of Covenant Theological Seminary, where I worked for my doctorate, Brian Chapel, he wrote in his book that there are more fights in churches over the issue of how we do worship than whether we're doctrinally pure, whether we're doing the right mission in the world or anything else. We love to fight about that, which says that something is really broken. In the church, because it should be all about God in the first place. And I dare say that some of our curmudgeon behavior is not because we're offended for God as much as we're uncomfortable or unhappy with some decision that's been made in the assembly. We have a great worship team, but we're not totally free in worship yet. Let me just be blunt. We're not. We're held back. And so I hope that in the weeks ahead, we can kind of unpack all of this and get a handle on it. And it should be important. I think about talking about worship. Some of you may be saying, why did I come this morning? I said as we prayed in the back room, well, at least 10 people, because that's how many were on the worship team this morning. At least 10 people should be interested. But probably more than that. And let me show you why it should be very important to you because the most important person that ever lived on the earth said something very profound about the subject of worship. Anybody want to guess who I'm talking about? Right? And he's the reason we gather together, right? Jesus is the reason. And here's what he said. Do you remember? You know what? Let me take it down because you're going to read it. Yes, when I say so. I don't have any control issues, I want you to know. No, here's the point. Context. Context is Jesus encounters the woman at the well. Everybody know that story? If not, you can read it in John chapter 4. It's a profound story. It's profound on multiple levels because it's a missional story. The Bible says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. That's not true unless there's some other have-to going on. Do you follow what I'm saying? In other words, most Jews traveled around Samaria to go worship in Jerusalem. They didn't have to. Not only did they not have to go through Samaria, they would avoid Samaria. But the Bible says Jesus had to because he had an appointment. And he had an appointment with somebody that was thoroughly on the outs. Female in those days, fallen, sinful, right? Been through a series of relationships, presently in one that is not marriage, which God has an opinion about that. She's a Samaritan woman, which the Jews do not interact with. We don't talk to them. Because there was an idea, and you saw it last week in my message, and it'll come out again in the future. Uh, It was um, the book on the the, uh, prodigal son written by Nowen, where he mentions the frozen anger in the church, people who are so busy trying to avoid being contaminated by sin. They had a wrong idea that if they interacted with somebody who was off base theologically and wrong, that they could get cooties. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, some of you in the room think that. The way you don't get cooties is you make sure your immune system is super strong. In here. That's how. So God says that Jesus had to go through Samaria to meet this fallen, broken woman who's also a Samaritan, and men and women don't talk in public like that. It's not unlike what happens in some Islamic countries today. Just don't do it. And Jesus breaks all the rules. He sits by the well he asks her for a drink and she's like what is with you you know you some kind of weirdo she doesn't know so they're having a conversation and as is often the case when you start to zero in on somebody's personal life and they know things are not healthy there they change the subject And so she changes the subject as she's talking with Jesus and says, uh, uh, you know, by the way, since you're here and you're obviously a rabbi and you know stuff, um, we're supposed to worship here, but you guys worship over there. And so I I just need to know which train should I take in the morning? If I want to go to worship, where should I go? She's changing the subject, and Jesus is straight up with her. I love this portion because it's so, just so real. You worship that which you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, the Word of God, the, the revelation of God through Moses and all it came through the Jewish family, but you need to know we're moving past that, an hour is coming, and now is when true worshipers shall worship the spirit in, uh, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. for such people the Father seeks to be could you say that with me for such? people the father seeks to be his worshipers who's he looking for worshipers who will worship him as it says at the end they will worship him in spirit and in truth is that a great statement or what let me tell you what the implications are one there are right and wrong ways to worship god that's one implication It's very clear has an opinion I'm not even going to take the time to take it to the rest of your, uh, your notes. So those of you who take notes, I know it's helpful for you. We're not even going to get to the second half of this message today, okay? So don't read those verses before next week. <laughs> what pastor would ever tell people? Well, do. Read them at your own risk. Let me put them that way. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having a good time. What's that? I'm not apologizing. Oh, I did, I did. I didn't I? I said, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm having a good time. I want to look at a few worship insights to set the stage before we move on and unpack the dimensions that are involved in worship. But here, the father has a right and wrong way to worship. Second, what the father's looking for is those who have an inner and outer alignment. you follow what I'm saying? In other words, they're authentic. They don't... Anybody ever see while you were sleeping? Did you see the, the Catholic mass scene where they're t- doing mass and everyone's saying, Amen, God be with you and also with you? And in between, they're talking, and saying, did you get the such and such account? Did you get the Nichols account? Yeah, I got it. I bought it. Amen. And did you get the... um? It's a great movie, by the way. It's so cute. However, that ain't worshiping. That's an outer form with no inner reality, right? That's the point. They must worship him in spirit and in truth. Inner and outer, there needs to be an authenticity about the person who follows me and worships me, God is saying. The inner and the outer align. And here's the best Part of this whole passage god 's looking for them he 's looking for them. he 's looking for them in his churches. he 's looking for them out in the community. he 's looking at for them in the places where you work. There are those who want to worship Him in spirit and in truth. The biggest thing that makes people say i wouldn't even consider entering into a church is what what do you always hear? The hypocrites. they're looking for authenticity. They know when it's phony, and I don't care if it's high church or low church. It doesn't matter. They know when it's baloney. It's not hard to figure out if there's an inner and outer alignment. Okay, so I went to preaching there for a second. Sorry. No, I'm not sorry. What is Jesus referencing when he talks about worshiping in spirit and in truth? Interesting use of words, in the spirit and in truth. That is in reality. When it says in John chapter 1, The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that the law of Moses wasn't true. That's not what it's saying. It's saying the reality that was pictured in the Old Testament became reality when Jesus landed on the planet. Grace and reality, the fulfillment of all of that came true in Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? In other words, we've got the fulfillment of what all those things in the Old Testament were pointing to. Here's what God says to those who don't worship properly. And you're going to recognize this. It's another portion in the book of Matthew. You hypocrites. He's quoting Isaiah, the 29th chapter. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people honors me with their lips. They give honor. They put, they put value on me only with their mouth. But their heart is where? Far from me. Their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. Teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. There are two things. What's wrong with this picture? The one we just looked at, this verse. What's wrong with this picture? There's two things wrong. First one. They're, they're, what's that? Yeah, there's no truth, right? They're doing the outward stuff. And there are people, you know, you'll meet people that think that if I just do these things, surely I'll get brownie points with God. I'll get some credits. You know, And by the way, they're not always wrong. You know? I have a neighbor who says, if I'm helping you and you help people with God, then surely I'm getting some... I said, you're not totally wrong. You're, oh, what's that, doctor? Did you ever hear what God said to, to Abraham? Those who bless you, I will bless, and those who curse you, I will curse. That's to the promised people. How about that? Mm, I just messed with your grace theology. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, I love doing, oh, I've got to think about this one. I have to think about this one. That's what I want. Think about this. But then it goes back to God, the one who judges, not us. That's right. We can't know. I can't tell them, yep, you earned about this much. When we get to heaven, you're going to have this many credit cards. I don't know. We'll find out. Anyway, the point is, their heart is far from me, even though they speak that they're worshiping me. In vain. They're coming up against a wall. They're wasting their time. Did you catch that? Yeah, they think. Doing the right they thi- right. Wow. How is that any different than people who go to church on Sunday morning? They think they're doing the right thing. Wow. That- yes. Yes. Bill Hybels tells a story of witnessing to his neighbor who ran a big dealership in Chicago. And finally, the guy, he, ta- he guilted him into coming at Christmas or, or the 4th of July or something like that. So the guy finally goes. He goes one time. He's telling his buddies at work, hey, we're going to church now. You know, one, ta- one, one time. You hear what I'm saying? Are you missing this? You know, hey, we're going to church. So, yeah, we might feel like we're doing better than the average non-worshipper. And there's some truth in that but it doesn't mean that I'm getting the pleasure of God. Okay? They worship me. Teaching, here's the second half that's the problem with that kind of worship. We teach doctrines as doctrine. That is, as God's truth, we're teaching what men have said instead of what God has said. How many people are steamed at Harmony Christian School, Harmony Baptist Church, name any other church, go down the line? I'm not picking just on us, but you're my favorite group to pick on are damaged because of the laws of men that have been shoved down their throat that have nothing to do with what the scripture says. You've got to do this. Why? Where is that? written? You've got to do this. And you're no good if you don't. There's the problem they got into. So are we starting to get an idea that maybe this issue of worship is critical mass? In fact, I'm convinced it is the big thing. We are called to be worshipers. The Father is seeking worshipers. Worshipers who worship in spirit and truth become disciples, real followers. I'm hungry. I'm open. Instruct me. Change me. Mold me. Make me more like you, Jesus, because you're the best person I ever met. And he is. Best person you'll ever meet as well. So that's what's wrong with that picture with this verse is their hearts are wrong, but also they engage in legalism, the wrong kind of pressure that destroys lives, actually. So let me make a couple of comments here just to provoke our thought life. The old word in English was called worth ship. Old English, worth ship. It's to tri- yeah, you like that, right? To attribute worth. To attribute worth. We gather out of the world on Sunday. I often say that to us as a congregation. Are we gathering out of the world on Sunday to attribute worth to God? That's our first and foremost responsibility. Yes, by the way, all the other stuff's great. Fellowship. I even had Mike say this morning that when Don makes announcements, you're not going to like this, but that's part of worship. It's part of the body life. And God invests in the body life of his people. But the primary thing is that I attribute worth to God. We use the expression worship in at least two ways, just like we use the word church, don't we? How many of you said, come on, we're going to church today, right? What? None of you did? You're all that careful about your biblical language, right? How many of you said we're going to church this morning? Okay, that's more like it. We say that this isn't church, right? I mean, the building, the building isn't the church. Thank you, ma'am. The people who gather make it the church's meeting place, right? It's the people who are the church. So we use that two way, but nobody we're not gonna be legalistic. Don't anybody use the word church for coming to this building anymore. You can't be a member here anymore. We're not gonna do that. But we use worship the same way, don't we? Especially worship people, sound people, all of that. When is the worship part of the service? Okay, now nah, you already, you're already on to me. That's no fair. Because we usually, we don't, even, we don't even catalog sometimes hymns as worship, do we? We pick the worship songs. Now, that's the worship time. Am I right? Come on. So we use worship that way as opposed to the whole gathering of the saints as worship. When a primitive tribe has converts and they meet in some glen somewhere and they join together, the minute they set foot in the same space, they're worshiping. They're gathered together unto Jesus to worship and to attribute worth to him. And the reason I picked the title, Worship is a Verb, is because it's something we do. It's not something that is done to us. And this is where we struggle, I think, culturally, if I can be so bold. Let me just read the, uh, and by the way, I'm not saying everything in Mr. Weber or any other's books that I've I've read, and I've read quite a few really good ones and thought-provoking ones, um, that everything's right. But let me just read a couple of things he noticed and why he wrote the book, Worship is a Verb, Eight Principles for Transforming Worship, that's his view. And he's talking about the fact that it's something we do. What Tim did outside there, if this was the right time, Tim, uh, was worship. Because he was serving us by cleaning our building, right? That's worship. And so we want to look at the big global picture as we move along, too. Well, here's what he found he was studying and he went around and visited churches, and here's his complaints. First, I began to see that much of our worship is dominated by the pastor. Now, in this church, I purposely don't want anything to do with songs or any of that stuff, not because I can't sing or I'm that bad, although it might contribute to a fire drill, but, <laughs> but because I don't want to be doing all of that. I want people with gifts to do that, and we need to share it. I began to see much of our worship dominated by the pastor. There are more traditional churches where it's all about what the pastor leads on Sunday morning. Number two, this is the best part. I began to feel that the congregation was little more than an audience. And we're in a culture that is audience-driven, right? We go to the movies, we go to a show. Now, some of us have more enthusiasm at a ball game or a concert than we might when we worship the Lord. So that's something you have to... By the way, some of us are getting it right. Some of us probably get it wrong. Some of us are somewhere in transition. We've seen good things be happening, and so we want to continue to be provoked and pressed to become true worshipers in spirit and in truth. I began to feel the congregation was little more than an audience. We sit passively and are entertained by the preacher or the the music or whatever. As spectators, we listen and watch, but we seldom participate actively. If that's true, my worship is lacking. even if you are left-brained. everybody know what I mean by that? Left-brained people, kind of like I used to be. I don't know how I switched my brain lobes, but I did. I think God did it. All right, all right, yeah, let's get through all this gooey stuff and this singing and oh Jesus, I feel so warm and fuzzy. Let's get through all of that and get down to the meat and potatoes. Where's the word? Anybody listening? You're missing out. Missing out. Because there's another dimension. The spirit can commune. I can be renewed if I will be a worshiper in spirit and in truth. I began to sense that even free worship is not necessarily free. Churches that have no structure, sometimes they do have a structure. It's a secret, trapped, locked-in structure that can hinder us from being genuine worships. And I think I'm almost done. Oh, here's the best part. And we'll talk about this next week. That's why I'm saying don't read those verses. For me, the mystery was gone. The mystery. I don't know if we would know what to do if demon possession started screaming in this room all of a sudden, besides freaking out and running. But what if God moved in and did something like that? How little we expect of God to maybe show up. The mystery's gone. We've got Aslan in the cage. No, you don't. He hasn't come here. The mystery's gone. And that's why I picked the picture I did, and I said, what's wrong with this picture? Many of our contemporary popular songs are not directed to God, nor do they glory in the cross of Christ. They concentrate on personal experience and self-realization. They participate in the narcissism of our culture, in what writer Tom Wolfe has called the Me Generation. This is a 98 publication, by the way, 1998. Our religion has followed the curvature of a self-centered culture. So we miss out on the mystery. By the way, I think there is a place for saying, I'm rejoicing in you, Lord. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I enjoy a lot of worship songs. But the goal is to glorify him and to reconnect with the the mystery that is the God that has rescued us, as amazing as that might seem. Let me say this in closing. I hope I've whet your appetite just a little bit to look at what's coming and to think about who it is that we gather out of the world to worship. The man I mentioned earlier, Brian Chappell, in his book, Christ-Centered Worship, he, pre- he, made a book called, he wrote a book called Christ-Centered Preaching. So, of course, if he did one on worship, it had to be the same type of title, right? But it was good. He's one of those Presbyterian types. Yeah. Yeah, these are the good guys, trust me. I was, I was with them. They're good peeps. Here's a statement he made in his book, Christ-Centered Worship. Get this. If God's people gather to worship without evident gladness, awe, and security in God's redemptive provision and providential care, then their worship is defective. So I'm not sharing that to make us feel bummed out or condemned or anything else. He's inviting us into a celebration. You know, I just was digging through all the Old Testament passages about the sacrifices the children of Israel had to bring to the, the temple in Jerusalem when they would eventually be in Jerusalem. Before that, it was at the tabernacle. And he says, you'll bring this bull, or you bring this ram, or you bring these two lambs, and you bring this meat offering with a drink offering and a wine offering and woo-hoo and all of that. And you will slaughter the animal and the portion goes to God and the rest is you're going to have a big meal and you're going to have a party and you will rejoice before the Lord. Yes, Pastor John, we'll pray about that. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's a celebration. He invites us into it. So I need to ponder. I had to think about that. Worship without evidence. You know, if we've just gone through a tragedy, I don't expect a lot of evident gladness that day. But otherwise, yeah, I'm glad for what God has done for me. How about you? Gladness, awe, and security in that God has done the work and he's given it to us. Isn't that awesome? It's an encouragement. Another writer, Marv Redon. this is my last statement wrote a book called Reaching Out Without Dumbing Down. How do you like that for a title? In other words, pick music and things that we read and recite that elevate God and make us think his kind of thoughts rather than down here. There's enough down here. I need to get up there. Start thinking his thoughts after him. And so she's encouraging us to do that. And she says this about our witness, about our our worship. Worship is both a witness about God as well as an offering to God. Are you catching that? We come and we give our worship to God, but when we do that, it's a witness about God. People looking in, as Jesus said, you're like a a city set on a hill. The light shines. People see it. They go, what is it about those people? What are they so whacked out about? How come they're so happy in God? You remember I quoted George Mueller a long, long time ago. My chief and very first purpose every day is to be happy in God. Whoa. I think we have some work to do. Let's stand together. Let's stand together and praise him. Thank you for the gathering of your people. Lord, can I just go on record? I'm grateful that we can gather in a facility without fear of getting arrested this morning, at least not yet without fear of reprisal, because we can speak the name of Jesus still publicly and say, I'm one of his followers. You don't have to follow, but I'm one, and I'm glad to be one of his followers. Thank you for the privilege of lifting praises to you. Thank you for every soul that has let the truth of the words of some of what we sung seep into their spirits Hast thou not seen how thy desires e'er have been granted in what he ordaineth? Ponder anew what the Almighty can do if with, his friendship he, if with his love he befriends us. There's so much, Lord, to feed our souls, and I pray that you would feed the souls of your people. Help us to be worshipers in spirit and in truth, and we'll bless you in the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day.